Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagle. Plant-based meat alternatives like the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger are capturing a growing share of the market. Consumers are attracted to these products for a whole variety of reasons. Some people believe that plant-based diets are a way to reduce their risk of various diseases. Others are concerned about the environmental impact of animal agriculture or the welfare of the animals themselves. So as a result, a lot of people who enjoy meat or value its nutritional profile are nonetheless reducing their consumption. But new technology may soon deliver the best of both worlds to our plates. Real meat that can be produced without using any animals. Joining me today to talk about this brave new world of meat without animals is Paul Shapiro. Paul is the author of the national bestseller, Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner and the World. He's also the CEO of the Better Meat Company and the host of the Business for Good podcast. So thanks for joining me today, Paul, to help us understand this really fascinating subject. Great to be with you, Monica. But I want to start by just clarifying for everybody what we're not talking about here. So we're not talking about taking gluten and pea protein and soybeans and and fashioning them into, into a darn good imposter for hamburger or something. We're talking about something very different. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when we talk about clean meat, we're not talking about an alternative to meat. We're not talking about a meat substitute. We're talking about real meat that is simply divorced from the process of raising and slaughtering an animal. So instead of having to uh, go through that many months or even years-long process of raising and slaughtering an animal, uh, clean meat simply involves taking a tiny biopsy from an animal, maybe the size of a sesame seed, and within that little biopsy, there are millions of cells that when you put them into a cultivator outside of the animal's body, makes them think that they still are in the body and they do exactly what they would do if they were in the body, which is to produce muscle, which of course is what we eat as meat. And so this is a way of producing meat that uses far less land, far less water, far fewer greenhouse gas emissions, and of course spares animals the cruelty of being raised on factory farms and going to slaughterhouses. So there's a big advantage to producing meat in this kind of a way. Sure, I could see that. But let me just back up a second and ask you about this cultivator. <laughs> you said mm-hmm. you put that biopsy in a cultivator. What is that? What's oh, sure. Happening there? Well, we use cultivators all the time for all types of things, for both food and medicine today. Uh, as an example, um, before the 1990s, uh, virtually all of the insulin that diabetics took was coming from the crushed pancreases of pigs and of cattle. Uh, In fact, Eli Lilly was buying 53 million pancreases a year uh, Hmm. to make insulin prior to the 1990s. 
however, uh, humans figured out how to, in a cultivator, grow real human insulin. And I don't mean something that is just comparable. I mean real human insulin in a cultivator. And now that's what diabetics take. They inject themselves with it uh, all the time, and they get a much cleaner, safer, less allergenetic um, product for them. And that's only one example among many. So imagine like a, it's almost like a looking at a beer brewery. Imagine steel tanks where there's, uh, you know, fermentation occurring within them. But instead, you know, if you think about uh, actually beer brewing, you get Basically, you take brewer's yeast, you feed it sugar, and it ends up producing alcohol. If you take baker's yeast, you feed it sugar, you get CO2, which leavens your bread. Well, in this case, you can use other types of microbes and produce animal products, or in our case, human products like insulin. Um, but you can also produce uh, all types of other uh, animal products without needing the animals uh, in this type of a process. And it does not require genetic modification. It is something that you can use GM technology for, but you don't have to. Um, but instead of brewing uh, yeast uh, for bread or for alcohol, um, you know, companies can now brew cells from animals and grow actual meat that doesn't involve the type of cruelty and environmental degradation that's associated with the factory farming of animals today. And so it's far more efficient and far cleaner. And it's also an allusion to clean energy because it's much better for the planet to produce this type of meat because it's no longer really a secret that producing conventional meat today takes up an enormity of land, of water, and of other resources to, uh, to get meat onto our plate. So who's actually doing the work here? Is there always a microbe involved that is generating this tissue or these cells? Yeah, well, there are different ways that you can do it. So one method involves taking what are called satellite cells. These are the cells that both you and I, Monica, have in our bodies right now that their only task, their only career path in life is to produce more muscle. So if you do a hard workout, you have micro tears in your muscle, they go to work, they're already in your body, they go to work and they repair you. Uh, if you get bruised, they go to work and they repair, they create fresh muscle for you. And animals have the same uh, satellite cells in them too. And so if you can take those uh, tiny microscopic satellite cells and put them into a cultivator where it has uh, the same body temperature, the same pH, and so on with the same nutrients, they do what they would normally do inside the animal's body. They create more muscle. Uh, there are other methods as well, but that's a popular one to do. And what you can do, though, is to create really succulent, delicious, clean meat. Uh, meat that you don't have to worry whether it's going to give you salmonella or campylobacter or E. coli because those are intestinal pathogens. And you're not growing intestines at all. You're just growing the meat that people want to eat. But meat, of course, is not just protein. It's a combination of protein and fat. So those satellite cells can actually generate a meat product that has some balance of fat and protein? Well, those particular cells won't, but there are a number of startups that are producing actual animal fat in a similar way as well. In fact, it's a lot easier to culture fat cells than muscle cells. And mm. so uh, there are some startups that are making that. But you could also look at it in that, you know, you could add plant-based fat to the animal muscle and create products that are actual meat with actual animal muscle, but that have uh, healthier sources of fat. That would be one type of a, a cool novel product that you could envision through this type of technology. So part of it would involve, let's say, making products that just mimic the animal products that are on the market today. The other would be creating products that are actually better, mm -hmm. new products. And so think about it like this, Monica, like 
imagine a time between when cows were domesticated, so people were drinking milk, but before cheese was ever uh, discovered. Nobody figured out how to curdle milk to make cheese. So people were drinking milk, but they had never even dreamt of Gouda or Swiss or Brie or cheddar or any other of the hundreds of varieties of cheeses that people routinely eat today. Those are relatively novel culinary experiences that no human had ever enjoyed, let alone or, or even fantasized about. What types of new culinary delights might be awaiting us when we open this new type of technology that could be analogous to discovering how to curdle milk to make new products entirely, like the one that uh, that I just mentioned a moment ago? Hmm. So we're not at the point where we can grow a T-bone steak in a cultivator. Right. Um, and in fact, if we want to have uh, a meat product with some sort of fat, whether it's monounsaturated, saturated, whatever it is, omega-3s, we have to kind of recombine it with a product from another process. So what we're really growing here is animal protein. You could, but you can also grow animal fat and you could combine them that way too. But but we're still in the early phases. So, you know, this is not necessarily an embryonic industry, but it is really an industry that's in its infancy. I mean, you know, when I wrote the book, Queen Meat, um, which came out in 2018, there was only about half a dozen startups that even existed in the world that were trying to do this. Mm-hmm. Now there are close to 80 and they've raised collectively hundreds of millions of dollars. None of them have really started commercializing their products yet, um, but they will. And that technology will continue to advance. So while sure we can't produce a T-bone today, and we're talking more about things like hamburgers and chicken nuggets and fish sticks in the future, that may be possible. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent in fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. How close are we to having this in stores at some sort of affordable level? I remember many years ago, there was the $30,000 hamburger that, that they grew you know, in a, in a Petri dish. So how far out is that into the future? Yeah, well, I am sorry to tell you, Monica, that it was not sadly not a thirty thousand dollar hamburger. It was a three hundred thousand oh dollar hamburger. So. <laughs> well, inflation, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, inflation from twenty thirteen to today. Right. Uh, but yeah, so that the world's first cultivated burger was debuted in twenty thirteen. Price tag three hundred grand U.S. And today, though, now, you know, the makers of that burger say that they're getting down closer to well under $100 a pound. So you can see a dramatically, Mm -hmm. dramatically rapid decrease in the price of these products. But there's a bigger barrier uh, for commercialization than just price, and that's government regulation. Ah, that was my next question for you. (laughs) Who exactly is going to regulate this? Well, in the U.S., um, the FDA and the USDA, so the Food and Drug Administration and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, have said that they are going to jointly regulate this. And that's an interesting thing because in the U.S., uh, the FDA is in charge of regulating cell-cultured products, whereas the USDA is in charge of regulating meat. Uh, However, 
in this case, you have meat that is being produced via cell culture. So who regulates it? Well, both FDA and USDA says that, say that they'll jointly do it. Mm-hmm. Other countries like China and Singapore are moving fast to allow this type of product to come onto the market as well. But so far, nobody has given it the green light. And that's likely to change um, in the near future. But it's still going to be some time before you see clean meat sitting on Costco or Walmart shelves. Far more likely is that it'll be in certain higher-end restaurants where it'll be a novel experience for people who have the money to be able to afford it at first. Almost like a personal computer was when it first came out. Mm -hmm. It was something that was expensive. It was cool to have. And now we all have in our pockets, uh, you know, computers that render those, you know, make them look completely um, ancient and obsolete. Um, So there will be a similar trajectory here too, that at first this will start as something that is not going to be widely available, but eventually it will be. So you mentioned earlier that one of the advantages of clean meat is that we don't have to worry about those pesky intestines. You know, this is <laughs> beef without cow poop, you know, which does remove a lot of uh, of that particular threat. But I, I know from having produced a couple skunky batches of beer that it's also possible for cultivators to become contaminated. Uh, and so yes. where do we, what are the threats there? Um, there are other kinds of pathogenic bacteria that could create a, a, a consumer threat here, right? A- absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't say it's so much of a consumer threat as much as it's a threat to the producer who might waste their money if they mm-hmm. have a contaminated batch because they won't be able to sell it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when, whenever you're dealing in this type of a uh, realm of working with cultivators, sure, you could have, for example, bacterial fermentation uh, contamination. Um, so it's really important to have sterile conditions. And the startups that are working in this space have gone to great lengths to ensure sterile conditions to keep uh, to keep the meat that's growing safe. It's, it's not that it's completely risk-free, but compared to conventional meat, it will be much safer because you're, you have to assume when dealing with raw meat today that you're dealing with something that can really sicken and maybe even worse, uh, really harm you. We've been talking about meat. Is there similar technology and advancement going on for other animal products? For example, eggs or dairy products, cheese? Are we getting anywhere with that? We're getting very far with it, Monica. In fact, maybe further than meat. Uh, So some companies like Perfect Day, which is a startup that's already raised a few hundred million dollars. um, But what they're doing is uh, rather than uh, having microbes that produce like, you know, that we were talking about earlier that would produce um, alcohol or CO2, they're producing whey protein. Mm -hmm. Uh, And their whey protein, they're now selling on the market in a type of... uh, a dairy-free ice cream. So excuse me, I shouldn't even say it's dairy-free. It's animal-free real dairy ice cream. So it has real whey protein that is produced through their fermentation process. It's certainly amazing how far this technology has come, what is possible, and just the the tools that have been developed to do this. Um, and it sounds like we consumers are still going to have quite a while to, to get our heads around this before we're actually going to have the option of choosing this. But, uh, but I want to thank you for this inside look into what's happening in this industry so that we can start to get ready. To learn more about how the clean meat industry is producing meat without animals, check out Paul's book, Clean Meat, or his TEDx Talks, which you'll find at paulshapiro.com.
And if you'd like to sample some animal-free real dairy ice cream, you can order some of that through the mail or find a store near you at Brave Robot. That's braverobot.co. I'd love to hear your thoughts about lab-grown meat and dairy. Is this something you'd be eager to try, or are you grossed out by the thought of brewing meat in tanks? Come join the conversation on the Nutrition Diva Facebook page. If you have a nutrition question or a suggestion for an episode topic, send me an email at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com or call the Nutrition Diva listener line at 443-961-6206. I'd love to hear from you. Also, I hope you'll join me, Get Fit Guy Brock Armstrong, savvy psychologist Dr. Jade Wu, and dozens of other health and wellness podcasters for Podcast Wellness Week. It's taking place from November 30th through December 4th, and it's going to include live stream panels and sessions, exclusive podcast episodes, daily meditations, and more. You can learn all about it and sign up at podcastwellnessweek.com. The Nutrition Diva Show is edited by Karen Hertzberg. It's produced by Nathan Sems. And our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Morgan Ratner, Emily Miller, Michelle Margulis, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.